All right, everyone. Welcome to the MMOs.com podcast. Episode 180, an auspicious number. And I am joined by... Arimotei. And I'm all Another time. week. I didn't say that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, in case you forgot, you know, you never know. Maybe you, maybe you shift it around, you know, to mix them up every week. It's been another week in the MMO world. And uh, been a pretty, I would say, a pretty uneventful week. Nothing nothing too major. I, I've, been, I've been playing a bit of Final Fantasy XIV as I usually do. I uh, finished my uh, raids there finally. Took a big break out of it, and just finally got around to finishing all the current content. And I've been playing um, Smash Ultimate a decent amount this last week, and a few played through a few uh, older uh, RPG Maker horror games, stuff like uh, Witch's House. Great game, by the way. Strongly recommend. But that's been my week, Altai. What have you been up to? I thought you played Witch's House already. I, I did, and it's been like, oh, you like replayed six it. Six years. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of raids, WoW released a uh, their new raid mm-hmm. today, but I am not subscribed, and I will not be resubscribing until Vanilla comes out later this year. At which mm-hmm. time I'm actually gonna, I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to playing both Vanilla and like maybe like an hour a day or like two hours a week, going on retail and just doing my little mm-hmm. checklist of uh, nonsense. So mm-hmm. that'd be cool. Like two MMOs in one because they're so different now. Yeah, but I mean, you that, can't compare retail to that. Yeah. Yeah. Besides that, uh, I actually hooked up the PS4 in my room. I'm going to go back to playing Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a single-player console game. And that sounds like a normie game. That yeah. sounds like, like you tell, Talk to me about a mainstream PS4 game it's, for normies, and I'll tell you Horizon Zero Dawn. All right? Give me, give me that weeb shit. Female give me that, protagonist, big, right? Give me that big anime titty weeb shit instead, all right? Give me that shit, all right? Hook me up. No, but I've heard good things about Horizon. Yeah. It, it does look good. Um... It's like uh, it combines sci-fi with fantasy. You're, you're like hunting with a bow and arrow, but you're hunting like instead of like ostriches, you're fighting like robot ostriches. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'll, hopefully I'll cool. use it a little. No. Now, I don't think we have a weekly raid this week, but we do have a big uh, big bit of news to go through. We have uh, the Super Data Year in Review 2018. Super Data releases their nice uh, little infographic-filled PDF with tons of interesting data about the entire gaming universe and a lot about MMORPGs, MMOs, free-to-play games in specific. So it'd be cool to run through that. Sure. I got the PDF here. Uh, let's mm-hmm. run through it together here. Yeah. All right. So this is, their, like you said, their year in review uh, for 2018. And remember, guys, mm-hmm. Super Data only looks at digital, right? So console is mm-hmm. going to look smaller here than it really is overall because, remember, this is only digital uh, spending on consoles. Which is still, yeah. I would say, it's probably half and half at this point, but it's still going to underrepresent it overall. But just so it's not mind. counting all the physical stuff you'd buy at GameStop. Instead, it's just counting the, the stuff you'd buy from the PS4 store, the PlayStation store, the Xbox you know, Live store. So no physical copies are included on here, which, of course, for PC is basically nothing. When was the last time you saw a boxed copy of a PC game? Ready? Like, never. Okay. Right. The, our GameStop used to sell like a small PC game section where they sold like Diablo 2, like, like, like four years ago. You could actually buy like Diablo 2 at our GameStop four years ago. Obviously, no one's going to do that now. But yeah, it, you can't really buy PC games anymore. But console is still, physical copies are still kind of a big deal. And, but we should also note that this does count uh, microtransactions uh, for console. So mm-hmm. a lot of, and more and more console games now are having microtransactions, and those are digital. So this, this report does capture that. Mm-hmm. All right, so with, with that in mind, let's look at some big raw data numbers here. So 61 billion is mobile, 35 billion is PC, and, and 12 billion. Uh, is console here? Ooh, sixty-one point three billion bones on the mobile front, and that number is, of course, 
continuing to increase year over year. It is absolutely insane. 61 billion bucks going to mobile. And, yeah, which, which, as you can see, is bigger than the other two combined. So bigger than mm-hmm. PC, as we all know by now. All right, so that, that's what that's a big data here. Let's go down a little here. I find that the chart on number seven looks pretty interesting because it shows you mobile in comparison to free-to-play PC versus premium PC, as well as a, a pay-to-play PC, which is pretty crazy because uh, free-to-play PC is basically the entire market now. I remember even like when we first started doing MOHUT stuff, you know, free-to-play was kind of niche. And like, you know, eight, you know, eight years ago, nine years ago, like before like League really took off, Dota really took off, you know, free-to-play was always kind of this weird niche. It was kind of big in Asia, not so big in America, but even today, you know, free-to-play is, is the preeminent like business model for Western games too, like Fortnite, League of Legends, Dota 2, you know, now CSGO as well. And these are some of the best-selling you know, games ever on the PC. So it's not just an Asian phenomenon anymore. You know, free-to-play just makes more money. Like Objectively, just makes more money. The market is just so much bigger now for free-to-play PC versus a premium PC. For This difference between pay-to-play PC, I think, is going to be counting all subscription-based games. Premium PC is going to be counting basically any, any typical buy-to-play game. I'm actually really interested this year, 2019, in uh, free-to-play console. I think mm-hmm. we're going to see a lot of growth there. And already we can see free-to-play console here, $2 billion. And I suspect actually most of that, most of it, the whole category mm-hmm. is Fortnite. It's Fortnite. Yeah, of yeah. course. But what else are we... people playing free-to-play? They're playing Terra on console? Why would you play Terra on console? <laughs> the game is like one year behind the PC version. I don't understand that. Like, why do you release a game? Like, it's just so weird to have that gap that large. They just released like the Valkyrie class, I think, on, uh, on consoles when the Valkyrie's been out since like a year ago on the PC. Like, that's insane. If the gap is like one month, which I think Path of Exile does a pretty good job with it, and a few other, a few other I think Neverwinter is usually one or two months behind. How's Warframe with that? I'm curious. I I don't, I don't know about Warframe. Usually they're not bad either because right. you know, it usually comes out within a month or two at most. Yeah, the I worst th- the worst offender here is Terra, I think. I didn't know that actually was that far behind. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. But I do think, uh, like I said, I think Warframe Path of Exile is coming out next month for uh, PS4. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're going to see that number grow. I think Black Desert Online is coming out this month or mm-hmm. next month whenever for a console yeah. so i think this number is going to grow the most as a percentage in twenty. yeah that's fair uh we're gonna go from two billion to maybe i think a guess uh i'll say six billion so a triple from here what do you think a triple by next year yeah free to play council who so it's you're a, gonna tell me that it's, it's, good, it's good. i don't buy it because look right. look how big premium consoles which is basically the, the, the typical business model on consoles you buy the game for 60 bucks whether it's call of duty whatever it is so I don't think it's going to come even close to the premium console uh, market in a one year. I'm going to say it'll be three, three point three point five billion, and I think that's even on the high side. Right. Because okay. it's going to be mostly Fortnite. I mean, also it kind of determines like does Fortnite, you know, start shrinking in 2018 or does it keep growing massively? If it keeps growing, you know, then there's a chance to hit my you know three point five number. Otherwise, I don't think Black Desert is going to make that big of a dent. You know, like Black Desert, as much as we talk about in this podcast, is, is just not a huge game. In the scheme of this yeah. entire industry report, you know, we we looked at the numbers on Black Desert on the PC versus console. Like, in three months, the the the, the current Black Desert mobile makes a like three times as much money as the PC version, and even that isn't like a giant number for mobile. So the PC Black Desert Online is actually really small fries. I think sure. I pulled the number out of curiosity real quick because I put up the article on Mos.com earlier, and yeah, you know, even on the you know, let's see. You love the stat. You always bring this one up. It's insane just how much money Black Desert makes. That's why. It just shows me, like, for a game that captures, like, this much of, like, the MMORPG mindshare, like, Black Desert Online is still, like, the only MMORPG that launched in the last, like, uh, like last two years in the West. That's, like, that, 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 that's anything, really. Like, we've had nothing in the last few years on the MMORPG front. Nothing. So PC Online makes about um, $26.3 million. Looks like 29.7. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Made twenty six point three million dollars in revenue last quarter, so it makes like it makes less than ten million dollars a month 
all of Black Desert on the PC. 10 million bucks a month. That's that's chump change, unfortunately. Whereas the mobile version makes a, a solid uh, $30 million a month or so. All right, let's go. Let's move on to the next chart here. Mm-hmm. What do we got here? Uh, okay, this is this is by region, which I think is really interesting too. So mm-hmm. obviously, mobile is the biggest everywhere, but mm-hmm. look at just look at how much bigger of a market Asia is compared to North America and Europe. Yeah, but, but I think Asia in general is a bigger market as well. Like, is there a ratio between like the purple line, which is free to play PC, and the and the red line bigger in Asia? Not really. They look very similar to me. Look at twenty eighteen. Is like it looks like I'm gonna do the rough by my finger estimate on the on the PDF. It looks like it should be like four or five fingers over there versus like comparing they're very similar it seems doesn't it yeah the only the only difference between uh the ratios is when it comes to console as you'll mm-hmm. see there is no basic there's basically no <coughs> free to play console in uh in asia mm-hmm. and even even console itself is tiny it, it just somebody asked why are people using a weaker platform like mobile it's not about weak or strength it's about accessibility as well Everyone's got a phone these days, and not everyone's got a good PC as well. And it just—I don't know. People's, you know, PCs are outdated. And don't you have a phone? Look, yeah, don't you have a phone, bro? Like, <laughs> the only advantage I would say to using a phone is actually playing card games. Have you played um, Shadowverse or Hearthstone? I think they're actually more fun to play on phone. Just be, like, just not to make a deck. By the way, making a deck is god awful. On uh, you can't do it on a phone, right? But like, just playing a deck you already have, the touch controls feel like more intuitive. Because like you're touching the cards almost like drag and drop them, it just works. It works really well. But that's it. Like of any other platform, it, nothing feels good on mobile besides that in my mind. Right. Yeah, plus be able to play games on your commute too is, is is one. Plus people like gambling as well, and a lot of loot box mechanics are very gambling esque. All right, this is a, this is a fun page right here, guys. So f- top free to play games by revenue in 2018. <clears throat> Big bold numbers here, and uh, this is beto- all all shot all platforms. Fortnite mm-hmm. is number one. A $2.4 billion of revenue. And then we got Dungeon Fighter Online, which is an old classic MMORPG. $1.5 billion. League of Legends, $1.4. So it's number three. Mm-hmm. So uh, for many years, League of Legends was number one uh, for top yeah. grossing uh, by revenue. And it's, it's been dethroned uh, down to uh, bronze over there. Bronze yeah, League. If I, if I remember correctly, League of Legends was about $1.8 billion in 2017's free-to-play you know, year in review. Could be off by a little bit. I think it was, I think it was $1.8. So it's lost like... A little over twenty percent of its revenue, which is quite a big deal, you know. This that was this is the first year we saw a big dip in League of Legends. Prior to this, the game was pretty much growing every single year. This is the first time League stopped growing and has actually shrunk. And obviously, we, we don't know the player base numbers, but obviously, if the revenue is going down, the player base is also going down. Typically, I would say the revenue, like the average revenue per user, increases over time. So they're actually monetizing players better. So the, the dip in player base is probably higher than the percentage dip in its revenue. More importantly, League of Legends dead game. Uh, not quite yet. I don't think so. All right, it's a dead game. Let's move on. Pokemon Go. Oh, hold up. Here's how you know it's a dead game, right? Pokemon Go made almost the same amount of money as League of Legends. I think Pokemon Go is just remarkably successful. People don't realize that. All right, that's the thing. All right, Pokemon Go is still minting money. Now, it's also worth mentioning, too, the number six game on this list, Honor of Kings, also called um, Arena of Valor in China. I don't think this 1.3 figure is actually correct. Uh, it's very tough for these companies, whether it's Superdata, Central Tower, or any of these, you know, analytics firms, to estimate the Chinese revenues. Because in China, like in America, the way the App Store works is you have Google Play Store and the App Store for iOS. That's it. Whereas in China, there's the iOS Store and then Google Play Store and then a billion other app stores. Whether it's the Tencent App Store, the Baidu App Store, the Sina App Store, there's so many different app stores, and they they do that to circumvent the revenue share that Google wants. So it's very hard to estimate this. 
I think if you look at the actual like, you know, Bloomberg report on these figures as well, that Honor of Kings at its in last year was making like, like every quarter was making like eight hundred million dollars, which would put the number at like over three billion, something something crazy, right? And I looked at the Census Tower's own mobile report, and it it pegged the number quite a bit higher than the one point three billion that we see on this chart. So the Honor of Kings figure, I don't think is gonna be accurate. Fair enough, but uh, if we let's if we look at overall, how many of these titles in the top ten are mobile? I'm gonna start at the mm-hmm. bottom here: Clash Royale mobile, Monster Strike mobile, Candy Crush mobile, Fake Grand Order mobile, Honor mm-hmm. of Kings mobile. So that's five. Cross- Pokemon Go. Well, yeah, Pokemon Go six. Uh, so six are mobile, and then Crossfire is PC, League of Legends PC, Dungeon Fighter Online PC, and Fortnite I guess is split all three. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely, you know, mobile has ascended. All right, half of the top ten. Uh, is mobile. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable, actually. Actually, this uh, this chart brings back to a previous conversation Altai and I had, where Altai basically told me, and I'm sure people in the podcast remember that that Asians just have poor taste and they can't make video games. You remember that Altai? Yes. And that you said Westerners just have better taste, superior taste, yes. and yes. generally play better games. I'm going to yes. challenge you on that. All right, challenge me. And we're going to compare these games. Right? These are the best. So look at the mobile games on this list that are top grossing, right? Yeah. You got Monster Strike. Yep. Uh, Fake Grand Order, so Candy Crush and Clash Royale are the only games on this list that are you know Western developed, right? I'm going to show you the best-selling mobile games by U.S. audiences. All right, Altai, and you're gonna you're gonna ship bricks because the, the games that the Americans play on mobile are actually god awful. The, the popular American games First all, are I actually so much worse. I said Western. Sure. Okay. I think Clash sure. Royale is is, is a Western played game, right? Sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Clash Royale, I would say, is one of the only ones. Yes, I agree. It's, I agree. That's one of the only good ones. So let me find this. Uh, Gotta move my mobile Ragnarok away. I don't know why I still have that running. I'm gonna find where I, where I hid this. It's pretty remarkable. These games are so bad. The ones that you know they're popular in the West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as I find right, I'll, it, I'll scroll down a little. Look at another chart here. Uh, premium games. This means you know basically the fifty dollar, sixty dollar games you buy, uh, non-existent in Asia, big in North America and Europe. Mm-hmm. You found it somewhere. Right, yep. Take a look. So look at these games. All right. So, what am I so the only here? games I'm gonna I'm gonna say are half decent on this list are Clash Royale, Roblox Mobile, and uh, that's it. I think that's all I got over here. So look Fortnite? at Fortnite. Go Gar- with Fortnite. Fortnite. Fortnite's fine. Fortnite's fine. Too. Fortnite's fine. So those games, are, Americans are playing Gardenscape. Wait, you know what Gardenscape wait, no, is? I, I don't know what what is. Put, why do you put a video on? Hold up. Gardens. Oh, okay. Let's see what let's see what the what the American kids are into these days versus those you know you, you're making fun of listen, Japanese listen. and Korean players playing fake fan order. Look at this game. I will look this at this game. Is this is the peak of American ingenuity when it comes to mobile gaming? All right. First of all, it, let's start with the top. What? Candy Crush Saga, right, is not for what it's trying to do. Okay, it's your forty sure, year old whatever. mom playing, you know, uh, bejeweled. It's not bad. It doesn't. You don't. You don't have to pay. You know, too much money. You just you play the game. You lose. You wait. All right. That's it. But anyway, fine. Let's go. Let's go look at uh, Gardenscapes. Oh, Bruh, a, my mom a, plays Gardenscape. <laughs> I never even heard of this. Yeah, you did it. Look, the thing I, I looked at Slot Mania. Slot Mania is just basically a slot machine that you play with fake money, which I'm pretty sure you can spend real money on, right? Gardenscape and Homescapes are absolute jokes. They're well, nonsense. What is that? I, I can't even tell. Like, what am I doing? What it looks like? Uh, what, it looks like some kind of uh, is it Farmville. It looks like Farmville to me. Yeah. Farmville. So these are the games Americans are playing, by the way. You, you were telling me in a previous podcast that, oh, those Japanese, Korean, and Chinese, they just have bad taste. I'm sorry, I'll type, but Fake Grand Order is an infinitely better game than, uh, than Homescape or Gardenscape. 
All right, these I, games are like I disagree. Uh, these are worse than auto playing mobile and RPGs. Who's these are playing worse. this? Oh, who's, grandmas are playing this, right? Well, well, these are the best. Yeah, these are the most okay highest grossing games in 2018 in the U.S. Right. and Canada. Now, obviously, a 40 year old like a uh, 50 year old you know housewife is not going to play like Arena Valor, right? Sure. Okay. So, but the, the fact that yeah. in America our old people are playing mobile, right? I think it's good. Our young people are playing real games like League and stuff. So only our slow people are playing mobile games. This tells Whereas me in the Asia, the twenty-year-olds are playing mobile. That's worse. Yeah, the, mobile, the mobile game scene in in America is actually pretty bad. Is the yes. problem? Can you name a good American developed mobile game? Don't worry, I'll give you a minute. Go. Can you think of one good Candy American? Candy Crush. Gold. Fine, give me another. Fine, give me another one. Candy Crush Soda Saga. No, no, don't Should give I me. Keep going? Should I keep going? Be, 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 yeah, keep going. Don't give me this bejeweled stuff. Candy Crush Friend Saga. No, shut the, get, the, get that Candy Crush shit out of here. Right? I got Candy can Crush you give me, Can you give me one non-Candy Crush American-developed mobile game? That's good. You can't. But you, maybe you can give me Clash Royale, but that's not American-developed. You know, America's a giant market Fortnite. for video games. Fortnite. We have... Fortnite. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. You, you saved me. All right, that, that's Fortnite. a PC game ported. I ain't counting it. I ain't giving you I ain't giving you Fortnite. That's a PC game. You got anything for mobile? What's wrong with Fortnite? It's PC. I mean, it's mobile. It's PC. Yeah, it's PC. That's why. And mobile. Like old school RuneScape is a good game, but again, that that's a PC game, you know. I'm not counting it. It just seems like there are no like Minecraft. I'm, there you what? go, boom. Again, it's a PC game that was ported to mobile. Like, Americans make some of the world's best video games and most successful video games. You know, Minecraft. games like CS:GO, really games like League it's of Swedish. Legends. Okay, games like Fortnite. Old like, America... school RuneScape. There we go. Our yeah. our mobile game of the year. At that, that, that's com. also that is also a UK developed game by Jagex. Okay, so by the way, okay, American US, American listen. game industry is like the biggest. Like one of the big, it's like. They're no fish turning out big hits. It's just remarkable how we aren't well represented in mobile. I mean, I, I, that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> so you can't on. name one American, but, but but that you can't say like, you know, all these Korean games are shit because you know our, our American equivalents are even worse. I'd rather play any of those auto playing mobile. I'd rather play Lineage Mobile, Lineage Two M or Lineage Two uh, Revolution rather than play Homescape, Gardenscape. Or slot mania. At, at least these games know their audience. Like, who's gonna play Gardenscape? It's not gonna be the kid who plays like Call of Duty or or League sure. or Dota, right? It's gonna be the you know grandma. Yeah. So at least they're targeting the correct audience for these games. So if I, you look I, at the if you look at the industry too, the, the mobile game numbers, it looks like it looks like according to this chart, it's fifty one percent female. There's actually in yeah. in the United States more more females play <laughs> um mobile games than uh men. Lineage to Gardenscape went. Yeah. yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> So it's just I don't know the, the the mobile gaming scene in America I would say is more pathetic than anything in in Asia. All right, let's 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 move on here, boys. All right, all right. Premium games revenue. So the number one best-selling digital buy-to-play game in 2018 was Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which is amazing, over a billion dollars in sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a really fair comparison because, as far as I know, PUBG for all platforms, including uh, Xbox and stuff. Is digital only, so one hundred percent. And, and it's been out all year versus Black Ops Four, which wasn't out all year, and yeah, Red Dead yeah. Redemption Two, which wasn't out all year. You know, it's kind of a, you know, kind of a slated, you know, kind of tilted over here, but it's still remarkable how much money PUBG made. You know, one bill. That's a one billion bones. Ain't nothing to laugh at. So I think this again. I think this console, uh, both console categories, both premium and free to play, will grow a lot in twenty nineteen as more mm-hmm. and more console players realize they can just download the game instead of uh, going to GameStop and. Being sold yeah. a premium membership. Fair. All right. Anything, anything else interesting here? They talk about some streaming stuff, which I don't care about. 
virtual mm. reality, uh, dead meme. Let's see, enterprise. Who cares? No, I mean, I mean, the only other interesting thing I thought was um, just look at the if you look at the, the top Twitch channels of 2018, uh, Ninja streamed uh, had 218 uh, 218 million hours watched of content, which I think is remarkable. I don't you think know for that, one individual streamer. I think it's pointless. It's a pointless statistic. No one can, no, no it, one it, it, no one watches these streams. They leave it on uh, the second monitor or like minimized, and it just, it's just like it's just like noise. Uh, it's like ASMR. background noise. It's like yeah, it's like it's like it's like low key ASMR while you're like doing something else. You know. I mean, a lot of people are fapping to uh. The ninja? Is that what AS- we all know ASMR is for fapping, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, maybe that. I mean, you, I, I, clearly people watch this stream for an hour, right? But, yeah, exactly. exactly. I can't imagine if you're just watching a guy who's streaming for eight hours that you're actually like, you know, you have Not the like, entire time. Sure, but it captures and you're your attention. Just looking yeah. at it, you know, like okay, you know, like, like like a TV show, like a movie. Like you know what I'm saying? It's probably like you have it open, and then you also have like a browser open, and you're like reading. You're on Reddit. You're on like whatever. You know. But yeah. what's remarkable to me is like if you look at the hours watched, like Game of Thrones, for example, right? The season finale broke like all records or something, right? Yeah. And they had like twelve point one million views. Yeah, but real views, like people sitting down doing nothing else but watching it okay. on one screen. It's, it's like an hour long, right? So they got twelve yeah. million hours watched on, on on Game of Thrones, right? How, how many seasons? And that was a season finale, right? How many how many uh, episodes are in the Game of Thrones series? A uh, season? Do you remember? Like twelve? I don't know. 12. Okay, twelve. So we multiply that by ten or something. Okay, that, that's half the time that people are watching Ninja. Ninja gets more views than Game of Fucking Thrones. All right. Yeah. Is that crazy? Just a no. number of eyeballs watching Ninja. But that's the thing. They're they're not eyeballs. Whatever. No, they are. <laughs> they're even, not eyeballs. Even, even they watch it like half the time. All right. It's still more people watching Ninja. <laughs> by the way, some people are watching Game of Thrones on their on their on their second monitor, not paying attention either. All right. Ear earballs. There you go. That's a good one. Earballs. The earballs. Right? The earballs. Fine. I'll t- I'll accept earballs. First of all, half of the wa- half of these views are bots. Okay, straight up bots. The other half are like people leaving it on. Uh, like they're not. Casually. They're not half bots. What are you talking about? There's like a fixed number of bots, so it's not like a percentage based. If you're like if you're like a smaller streamer, maybe you can say half their views are bots. But like, like there aren't like a million bots watching them. I don't know, man. Anyway, I'm and not buying the these inter- numbers. Interesting on here. The, the streaming numbers, are like the esports numbers, for me, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, smoke, uh, so you feel excited, but there's no there's no there's no substance, there's no meat there yet. We'll see. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. I I, I have an interesting story. All right, because we, we, right. um, we we talked a lot about um, we we talked a lot about MRPGs and sketchy Kickstarter funded games, and I want to I want to go back to a game that we mentioned a long time ago, and it. it this is a truly scam game, right? You know, we've talked about kind of like, you know, games like Chronicles of Illyria and Axe Creation be a little iffy. But compared to like the actual scam games and the actual scammers, people that run Chronicles of Illyria and Axe Creation are like much more legit than some of these other obvious scams. So you can find this old, old, this from like two years ago. There was apparently this um, this absolute joke of a game called uh, Havilia. Let me go ahead and link this to you, Altai. Do you remember this Kickstarter? Do I remember that? Let me see. Let me see. Wait. Vaguely, I think, and I remember because we were in Turkey when this happened, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So this, they claim to be. They, 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 you can see that these two douchebags in this video at three minutes ten talking about their this this new MRPG they're making, where it's got a real world economy. It's got this whole like Star Citizen angle with like these giant spaceships, and you mine gold in the game, and then like if you mine enough gold in the game, they sell you they they send like nuggets in the mail, right? It, this game was a hundred percent scam, right? Basically, uh, the Kickstarter even got suspended because the guys involved with this literally ran a scam like um. Like a year ago, before this Kickstarter came out, where they were like, they, they raised $29,000 to go look for dinosaurs in the Congo. No joke. No meme. This is real. So they said they were looking for some extinct dinosaur in the Congo. They got $29,000. They never even went. 
So they, they just kept the 29 Gs, right? So they scammed that, and then they doubled down with this MMORPG thing. It didn't take off, fortunately, because this scam didn't go anywhere. But these guys went on, like, uh, like some, those, uh, like, blue, what was it, like, Cheddar TV, some of these, like, online TV platforms with millions of views and pitched this idea, and we're talking about this scam game. Like, despite all the bullshit they did for this game, it didn't go anywhere. It was an obvious scam, right? Wait, wait, what's it called? Cheddar TV? Yeah, it's like, uh, I think they partnered with Seeking Alpha and Bloomberg, I think. Cheddar, like cheese? Yeah, like cheese, yeah. They weren't, they weren't Cheddar TV. Sounds like a lame name, but whatever. Okay, go on. Anyway, so these guys these guys tried to pitch this garbage game. They didn't raise any money. Uh, the game didn't go anywhere because there was nothing. Was, the whole game was a scam from the get-go, right? But then these guys, obviously, if you can't make money scamming uh, on MMORPGs, where do you go next? Where do you go next after trying to scam MMORPGs? You go to Kickstarter. You, 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 go, you go to crypto. Crypto. You go to crypto, baby. These guys are now scamming on crypto, which is crazy. All right? So I actually... I, I kind of stumbled in on this because I've been following the crypto scene for a long time. And when this douchebag's name showed up, Mikula, I remember his, I remember this guy's name. When this douchebag's name showed up on on a crypto scam, I was like, wait a minute, this is pretty interesting. So this is the this is the crypto they're running, the scam crypto they're running. So if you look at the before we look though, just hold up. This guy kind of looks like a retarded version of Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philly. Yeah, I, I I I can see it. I can <laughs> see right, it. Right. That's all I have to say. All right. All right, so he's on there as the director of business development, all right? He's utilizing extensive knowledge in technology development. Siva serves as CEO of Mukula Technologies, which, by the way, is, is a bullshit company that, does, that doesn't even exist. He claims he's got 200 employees on his LinkedIn page, right? But not a single one of them exists on LinkedIn. And you Google the name of the company, nothing comes up but his garbage landing page, right? So this company doesn't even exist. So this Apollo crypto website, which is trying to sell themselves like the best cryptocurrency ever, right? It combines all the features of all the cryptocurrencies, is built on Wix.com. You've seen those shitty ads from Wix.com. Make people a that can't even make the... five seconds. Exactly. So these guys that can't even make a website are claiming to have made a cryptocurrency. Uh, uh, Nova Ariella, John McAfee. The, the way these crypto scams work is if you pay John McAfee like enough money, he'll be your chairman for any project. He's a chairman for like a dozen of these crypto scams. All right, he, he'll take your money and then he'll so you can put his name on your website. So what, what, the most remarkable part of this scam story, I thought, besides the fact that this is a bullshit, this bullshit crypto is not going anywhere, obviously, right? They basically took an existing crypto coin and made a fork of it and have added like two lines of code to it and have promised all these features that will never exist, right? But the best part of this crypto scam is there was a guy calling this guy out on his bullshit, right? There was the guy, some guy made a video calling this guy out and I thought that was the most interesting because in that video, if you went to this guy's LinkedIn page about like a month ago, right? The Steven Mukula guy's LinkedIn page. He actually listed on his LinkedIn page this screenshots. I want to show you the screenshots. I thought it was pretty interesting. So he he puts on his LinkedIn page, he's got a bachelor's degree from Drury University in business administration and a bachelor's degree from Lamar University. So some guy, invest some guy on, on YouTube was curious about this. He calls the school and says, did you guys give a, does, does Mr. Stephen McCool have a bachelor's degree? And he doesn't. He just made that up. He has no, he has no actual degree from these universities. So the guy called the school that they confirmed he didn't have it. So he made a video calling this guy on his bullshit. And then literally like a day later, Steve, the Steven guy makes a video saying, this guy's just attacking me for no reason. I never said I had a bachelor's degree. And then he updated his LinkedIn page a day after he got called out on it. And he got rid of the part where it's a bachelor's degree. And he said, I never said I had a bachelor's degree. I just said I went to those universities. I would never claim to have a bachelor's degree when I don't have one. So all he did was update it from like having, he removed the bachelor's degree part. And he said, I would never claim I would have it. And he did like literally like weeks ago. So Listen, I went to Harvard University. There you go. I mean, I was in Boston, so I decided to walk around the campus, you know, as a tourist. But uh, there you go. I guess I could say I went to Harvard now, right? You can, but you just can't say you have a bachelor's degree from Harvard, that's right? right? That, that's when you cross the line. So it, it's remarkable to me. But this guy, by the way, found a lot of success in this scam. He's made, I think, millions of dollars running this crypto scam. He was never able to defraud people in a large scale with MMORP. He, he, I, I, think, I think this guy saw 
Star Citizen and some of these other crypto, other Kickstarter games doing really well. And wanted to jump in on the hype. And he just, I guess maybe joined the hype train too late or failed to hype it up. But he found success in crypto scamming, which uh, has been a very Attaboy. ripe industry for it. So it, it just, it just, but this character makes people like, like, like Sharif from uh, Asher Creation, like at least, like it, it's so obvious, at least Stephen Sharif, the guy who's doing Asher Creation is working on the game, right? Like there's effort being made on that game. Millions of dollars have been spent making that game. They raised a lot of money, obviously, but like that money isn't going through his pocket. He, he hired dozens of employees. There's an office. There are, you know, there are people working on this game. And we've been very critical of, of, um, of both Chronicles of Illyria and Asher Creation. I'm actually still more, I still think Chronicles of Illyria is, is vaporware, but there's, they're doing something there, okay? But at least we can literally see that Asher Creation is working on a game. So it's not a scam the way, you know, that this, this guy's Kickstarter game was a scam. Yep. So <coughs> we can't undervalue the word scam. We can't dilute it, right? That's scam true. applies to people like this guy, Steve McCullough. Yeah, right. That guy is 100 scam. The other guys like Chronicles of Illyria are maybe a little too ambitious. They're over yeah. in their head, but they're trying, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not scams. They're just maybe over promising, but we'll see. Yeah, and and perhaps you know maybe the the, word, the, the title scam doesn't make sense for um for um Star Citizen either. I, I do think Star Citizen is very ambitious, and I don't think they're going to reach those ambitions. But you know they they have hundreds of employees. They're doing something, right? Like they're they're working on a game. So it, it's not, I don't think that was a scam. I don't think the purpose of that from the get-go was like defraud people either. Whereas the purpose of this uh, Mukula's nonsense was, was literally to scam people. Uh, you know John McAfee is running for president in 2020? Yeah, John, if, listen, if you want an interesting Twitter follow, I recommend you follow John McAfee on Twitter. That guy is a character. Yeah, but just right? know you're following a mentally insane person. Like, don't take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, he, the guy is absolutely nuts, but it's, it's, it's very entertaining. It's well worth following on Twitter. Indeed. All right, can we move on to some MMO news now? Yeah, let's have some MMO news. What do you got? <laughs> All right, I got um, Tree of Savior. I actually played it again this uh, this week. Um, they had a big update with the class uh, system, and so I made a new character. Mm-hmm. And I do I just like every other game these days. They super sped up the leveling. I remember it taking a lot longer to level before. I think I got to like level mm-hmm. fifty or something in like an hour or two, like, like two three hours. So, uh, I, I, again, but that's nothing. The max level, I think, is I was like 360 or something. Um, but there are YouTube videos of people power leveling to max level in, I believe, something like 11 hours. So, the leveling experience is a lot quicker now. Uh, it's worth going back to try it if you haven't or haven't played in a long time. It's a lot quicker. I remember last time we played at launch, they had an issue where you would hit the, the – you'd run out of quests, uh, like a level or two uh, before you could get to the next area, right? You had to grind, yeah. You had to grind or use you had to like save up your cards and use them at the right levels and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's not a problem anymore. It's a lot quicker. Unfortunately, it's still laggy. I don't get this. How can MMORPG... It's 2019. How do MMORPGs not understand yet? You can't have this kind of lag. Like It's like two guys on the screen and the game's lagging. I don't I, I don't understand. Like So that's a shame. Um, I mean, especially considering you know, the game it's kind of based off of Ragnarok Online. Like The game runs pretty well now, even though it's, you know... The game is super old, like 2005 or something. I forgot when Ragnarok Online came out, you know. If you can't remake Ragnarok and, and not make it laggy, come on. What are you doing? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, as I was playing it, though, you know what I was thinking? Uh, the art is still amazing. The gra- You know, the, the graphic style is really, really pretty. It looks like a storybook. I kind of think Trio Saver would work better as a mobile game. I mean, it is coming out as, you know, they are making a mobile version of it. Yeah, it's so linear anyway. Like the way the 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 maps are right now, you literally mm-hmm. start at one end, you kind of wind your way, following a predetermined path of you know. There's like no 
open world really it's just each zone in the in the world is like a literal ha- a corridor like a hallway um mm-hmm. so it, it, it already kind of feels like you know, it's hand holding you step by step so i don't know i think it'll work as a mobile game and what's remarkable is a lot of mrpgs kind of do this it, it, it feels like there's really no path anyway it's, it just feels really linear like there's not usually multiple places to level you know if you're like level 35 you can go like this area or that area you know, there's usually one spot you're going to go to, and it's, it's very linear in its progression like that. So it, it's a bit odd, too. Like, at least if you had different areas to explore, or, like, different, maybe grind a dungeon or multiple different fields, it can at least feel like you have some kind of player choice. But, yeah, it, it does feel really linear. And someone in chat mentioned something. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this somewhere, but there's a game by mm-hmm. Nexon coming out called Spirit Wish. I'm going to play mm-hmm. it on uh, the, the stream. Take a look. Take a look. It, it actually is almost identical in terms of art style to Tree of Savior, mm-hmm. which is funny because they, be, I guess they beat um, Tree of Savior to the punch here. And I'm seeing on the right side the semi and autoplay, which means this game is autoplay right here. Spirit Wish. Indeed, yeah. This is a complete uh, Tree of Savior ripper off. The, like the art style is identical, but it looks like um, is, is this? I don't think this, is, this doesn't look open world. It looks like, you have, like do you have multiple characters. Yeah, it looks like you have multiple characters on your team, and they just keep grinding. Yeah, I, I guess so. so. In like a like in a stage based game, I love the art style because I really like the art style in Tree of Savior. I mean, Tree of Savior also has like some of the best music of any MMORPG. If you haven't heard the music in Tree of Savior, like maybe it's worth making a character and grinding just for that, or just go to mmos.com/music and look up the the soundtrack for Tree of Savior. It's amazing. I definitely think it's worth you know it's free to play. It's on Steam. Uh, it's definitely worth a shot uh, to look at if you're just bored one evening and you just want something to play for a bit. Do you know what game? Like, I feel like almost like predated all these auto-playing mobile games do you remember do you remember granada espada or sword of the new world yes granada espada i do remember yeah so that that game you, it, it remind the video you showed me remind me of that because in, in sword of the new world also called granada espada you could you have a team of like three people it was like one of the only mmorpgs where you can control multiple characters at once and you just kind of like you would bring them to like a dungeon and you could have them like auto grinding automatically because you auto attack enemies nearby so you could like literally auto play on on, on granada espada the same way you can in a lot of these, you know, auto-playing MMORPGs. And this was on PC. So, obviously, it wasn't the only game that has a bot built in or an auto-play feature built into the PC. We've seen a lot of other, other games as well, but I think it's one of the older ones. Because Sword of the New World is definitely an oldie. Yep. Yeah, and yes, they are by the same uh, director, I believe, and they're also by the same... The OSTs are by the same art uh, music directors, too. Composers, yeah. Composers, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, and the the, the the people that did the Ragnarok Online music did the music for for Tree of Savior as well as uh, Sword of the New World. That's why the music is really good in those games. Same uh, same people. Indeed. Uh, got another uh, bit of news here for an old game. All right, let's uh, hear it. Shot Online coming to Steam. Coming to Steam. What are yeah. the? What's? There's no way that game is going to do well on Steam. No. No, I don't think so. I, I, I'm actually surprised this game still exists. Is it, like, Where is like this? I, I'm really curious about how much money they make off their player base because this game never had a big player base. Shotline was never like overflowing with players, right? There's only there's only uh, 58 players online right now on Steam for Shotline, by the way. So it's not like it's today, exactly right? losing. Pop- yeah, it came out just yeah, recently. Nice. So they 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 made a, they brought a 14 year old golfing mo onto Steam. Yeah, Shunea point. They have like five super whales keeping. The game. I think so too. I feel like. Because it, it just seems nuts that this game has survived. Like, Games Campus, which makes Shot Online, used to be a really big publisher. Like, throughout the years, they probably published well over a dozen games. And only one game remains, and that's Shot Online. The only one. Is I think there was another, there was one other big golf free to play game back in Anya. 
Pongya back in the old days. Is that still around? Yeah. I'm pretty sure Pongya on the PC shut down. I think you can oh, still no. play Pongya Mobile, which has been around for a while. But Pongya on the PC has long been gone. Rip. Mm-hmm. Rip, rip. I mean, Pongya was also more like Mario Golf in a way. It was very silly. Versus a more realistic game of shot online. Pretty sure there's pay to win in shot online, though. Do you pay? But then again, isn't like real life golf very pay to win? Don't they have clubs that cost like ten thousand dollars? They do, like the the what they call it, carbon fiber ones and stuff. So I have a question for you. Like, you, you, what if you bought a club IRL for golf, that like a very advanced club that like kind of like all you do is hold it and it just literally hits the ball on its own. Like while you're holding it, it like there's a, there's a camera on it. It locks out to where the ball is and you pre-program where it needs to go so like it, it kind of just literally hits the ball for you would that be illegal to use in tournament play no it, it, it would probably have all sorts of electronics obviously so i don't yeah think that, i think that would disqualify it ah shucks <laughs> so you can't put electronics on your golf clubs and uh i i i, I there's probably a rule about that yes any golf aficionados out there can clarify because you can, you can you can pay to win a shot listen you can pay to win a shot online why can't you pay to win in golf you know what well this is totally off topic now but i think sports if they allow um augmented people like you know there's people with like their legs missing now and they replaced yeah. like the foot with uh some like weird looking duck pad made of a carbon fiber and they actually run yeah. pa- faster than humans some of them mm-hmm. so i think in the future if they don't restrict this stuff people can have like exoskeletons that allow them to like hit the golf you know ball like t- a thousand times harder than a human can right but, but hold, don't, don't they already have stuff like that in like um like the foot racing and stuff right they say a lot of the some of the advancement and faster run times is due to technology so what happened was a lot of people running marathons or like at least those like 100 meter sprints or whatever their shoes are actually like way way more like way better and those shoes have made a better, bigger difference like the traction on the ground has actually shaved seconds off the runtime so isn't that a way of pay to winning because like there are literally people spending like millions of dollars every year to, 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 to literally engineer a better shoe to make you jump faster run faster all that shit and for swimming as well, isn't there like stuff that you can wear for swimming that makes you more uh, like, you know, what is it, less resistant to the water or something? There is, but all that is kind of like, I guess, low tech, right? Not electronic and stuff. But look at this, like, this is what I'm talking about. So if you look at this clip, these guys are running. I'll show you. Look inside his foot. He puts these like weird plastic or metal things on, and he's got no feet, and mm-hmm. he's just bouncing up and down on these. Uh, on these pads. Or I don't also, know do, do, do those weigh less than a regular whatever would be there? Probably, yeah. Like aerodynamic and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. What, 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 I don't know how we talk about it. Let's, let's, let's get off this topic. I'm saying you can pay to win in real sports, so I can pay to win in a shot online. All right, that's what I'm trying to say, all right? You got if you, you, know, if you, you got to be able to pay to win in a shot online. Amen. Amen. <laughs> the, it, honestly, I feel like pay to win is like the most hilarious when you see it like... Not so much in a fantasy MRPG. Like, if you see someone pay to win in, like, some Chinese, like, uh, browser MRPG, he's, like, VIP level 20 and he's one-shotting everything, fine. Like, it's obviously, like, kind of stupid, right? But if you're playing, like, freestyle two-street basketball and some guy's, like, just dunking on you because he's got, like, plus 10 sneakers, where he just literally just, just jumps higher than you and can, like, just take better shots than you, like, it, it's a bit sillier and, like, in your face when you pay to win in, like, a directly, like, sports-related game. I think we should get, we got to go back to what the, the OG Greeks did with the Olympics. You gotta compete hmm. naked. Like if you if you're doing a swim or a race, just make them run naked or swim naked. I like that. Anything you that put on, it's gonna, it's gonna make it unfair, right? Mm-hmm. In some way or another. So if you want to run a marathon, run a barefoot. If you want to run a sprint, run a barefoot. If you want to swim, run, swim. You know, naked. What, what's with these body? You know, these aerodynamics. I, 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 I would watch the girls' volleyball uh, competition <laughs> with with a lot of uh, excitement. Okay, because I'm just interested in women's sports. I like Chaos Shields that comment. They need the Air Jordans plus ten, but the problem is Chaos. Yeah, to get the Air Jordans plus ten. 
with MMORPG logic. After plus, after getting plus five Air Jordan to get plus six, there's a forty percent chance the item will break when you upgrade it. So if you get to plus six to get to plus seven, there's a you know there's like a seventy percent chance the item will break. By the time you get to plus nine, only point zero zero one percent of Air Jordans will ever make it to Air Jordans plus ten. Right? It will cost you millions and millions of dollars apparently. All right, we gotta make make the make the Olympics naked again. That's hashtag. That's hashtag that one. I like that one. Make the Olympics <laughs> naked again. It's fair. It's it the only fair. way to make it fair. I agree. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, one more game made it onto uh, Steam this week, and that is Record of Lotus War, Mark. Ooh. What, what are your thoughts on this one? Honestly, it's not, it's not a terrible game. Like, look, there, there are like there are games out there which I would recommend if you want to play and just turn your brain off. And, and I would say Maple Story is one of those games, and I would say Record of Lotus War is one of those games. It's one of those games where the, you just you log in, you create a character, you go outside town, and you grind. They have quests, but don't let those pesky quests get in the way. Honestly, not even worth doing. You just, you just get in the game. You just keep killing things over and over again for literally hours on end. It's, it's, it's a very grindy game, very mindlessly grindy game. And sometimes it's good to be mindlessly grindy because like, when you try to cover up the mindless grind with like quests and this nonsense called a story, it, it gets in the way sometimes because like, if your story sucks ass, why is it even there? You know, If these quests are just like, go from point A to point B, why is it even there? If I quest to kill 50 like slimes, Actually, here's here's a minor <laughs> sidetrack over here. What I hate is when a quest is like go kill ten slimes. That's the worst fucking quest in the world, all right? Or go kill ten slimes and ten like dogs, right? What a useless ass quest. At least give me like a man's quest. Tell me to kill two thousand slimes. I can. I'd rather kill two thousand slimes for a quest than kill ten slimes for a quest. Was, if I had to kill two thousand, I'm not going back and forth with these shitty ass NPCs, all right? I'll just sit there and kill two thousand slimes. Let me let me farm my slimes in peace. And I'm actually kind of upset that games don't give me more quests like that because grindy games, especially, I would rather a grindy game like Maple Story as well to give me a quest to kill a thousand enemies. But there are kind of quests with like 500 plus kills on there. <laughs> Zalcor, level one quest: kill, kill a thousand wolves. Wouldn't open. The, oh, Zalcor, clearly you are not a true MMORPG gamer. All right, I, I going back. The worst feeling. In a lot of like MMORPGs, they go kill 10 wolves and come back to town to hand that quest in. Fuck that. Let me go kill 100 wolves and then come back. Make it more efficient, you know? I actually don't mind the ones that are like, uh, kill like the, the rats in my farm, right? Because it kind of makes sense, like lore wise. Like the farmer yeah. wants you to kill rats in his farm. The ones I don't get are like, they send you like really far away to kill like eight of these random animals and come back. Like, why? No, the worst, the worst ones is a guy standing in a field, right? And you walk up to him, he's like, uh, I, I need to pick up these seven flowers for me. And there's literally just growing right around. Like, they're surrounding this guy. This guy is, like, literally covered in flowers. And there's, like, eight flowers next. There's all these flowers. You right-click on them. A stupid meter fills up. Three seconds later, obtain one flower. And you do this seven more times. You get eight flowers. You hand it to the guy. Like, dude, you, you're going to bend over yourself? Like, pick these fucking flowers up? Are you paying me for this? Those are the worst quests. And, and the worst part is... Literally every MMORPG has these. Every game has these. Whether it's Terra, Blade and Soul, World of Warcraft. Like, every MMORPG has these worst kind of quests. At least make the flowers on the other side of the map, guarded by ogres or something. But just just literally pick up items off the ground is the stupidest quest, and every game does it. It makes no sense. I, I, the idea of killing a thousand wolves is so much more entertaining to me than, than picking up goddamn shit off the floor. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we talked to MP, like. I, Here's a quest. Go talk to this guy sitting next to me. That's some bullshit-ass quest, all right? And escort quests, I think, are bad in every uh, every game. Uh, Red Lion. I don't think anyone defends escort quests. In like, I wonder if there's somebody out there like, damn, I really like escorting these NPCs for these quests. That's so much fun. 
What was the first MMORPG with an escort course quest? I know which one. I know Ultima Line had it, and that was <laughs> yeah, that was that was the first one I remember. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if like Tibia or uh, those older games had it. Oh, what year did Tibia come out? Anyway, is Tibia older than Ultima Line? I think it's the same year, nineteen eighty-seven. Mm-hmm. I guess somebody actually mentioned too. Um, in the in your little timeline that we showed last week for like the most influential games of the years, you kind of, you missed Anarchy Online, which I, I would definitely kind of include as a big one. Yeah, that's a good point. We can go back mm-hmm. to that in the post game. We can discuss it, fill it up, mm-hmm. fill it up a little. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to quickly. So, what's surprising about Record of Lotus War coming to Steam, and I brought it up, is because it it stands in contrast to how War Portal is treating some of its other games. Actually, War Portal doesn't even have Record of Lotus War. Does it? I think it does. Let me check. Mm-hmm. Anyway, more to the point, War Portal has announced. I think we announced last week. Rose Online is shutting down, and uh, yeah. this week I also learned that Regular Online Two has stopped uh, development. Um, so no more updates for RO2. I don't think anyone is going to be too surprised by that one. Listen, listen, Altai. That, that game's got a solid player base of, of concurrent players on Steam of like 30 players, all right? Those guys are going to be upset, all right? There's 36 players online average over the last month, and the game is not. The game has had less than 100 players online since 2016. And even since 2014, it, the average player was only 250, according to Steam charts. So this game was kind of uh, kind of done so from the get go. Anyone that played this game, who played the original Ragnarok line, would say good riddance. This game was such a like affront to what Ragnarok Online was supposed to be. Just why they call it Ragnarok Online is beyond me. This is like the worst like sequel to, like any game. It, it betrays the concept of Ragnarok Online. It just literally like such a generic 3D anime RPG with no soul. It had nothing like the original Ragnarok calling it. They just slapped the name and they used some of the same characters and the same monster designs, and that's it. The world was even the same. It, it was it was terrible. This game, I mean, no one's gonna miss this. I don't think. Yeah, we're probably right. But uh, I I was surprised to see this one also take a hit because it's a first party game by them, right? Like, mm-hmm. like who who's still developing for for Requiem and Dragon Saga, which is the other two. Games Honestly, on. I have no idea. There's no. I am so surprised that Requiem is still is still alive. Yeah, me too. it's such a actually. I didn't even know Requiem was on Steam. Did you know that, Altai? Yeah, yeah, it is. Now, do you think how many people do you think play this game? Fifty. Uh, That's actually would be. I'd be surprised if had fifty because you know Ragnarok only two only had uh thirty. That's All right, this game averages at uh, 30 players in the last 30 days. Because they, I, they must have had a big patch because last month they only had 19. And before they had 15, so. Well, today's peak was 50. So I'm going to give myself credit for getting that one. At least the peak right. <laughs> you got the peak, Alta. You got the peak. I'll give it to you. This game came out in June of 2008. And this is a... I, 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 there's no way this game still gets updated. I'm going to see if there's anything on their like their homepage. No, their, their last update on Steam was uh, their 10th anniversary update, which was at May 31st, 2018. There's been no updates for this game. Or any kind of communication, looks like, at least on Steam, for about a, a full year, almost a full year now. So this one is next on the chopping block, I think. This one, this one's going to go. There's no way this is going to survive. Rip Requiem. We still have a lot of um, like obscure older and more RPGs still around. Like somebody mentioned, anybody remember Rapples? Yo, Rapples is still around and it's still playable today. Is that all right? Rapples, no. Rapples still gets updated. All right? I, w- I want you to know, guys, Rapples still gets updated. That's that is a good point though. There are no other games that are horror, or at least self self titled horror MMORPGs besides Requiem. 
Requiem is just basically a fantasy anymore, but there's just extra blood and violence. And some of the characters, look, uh, the monster designs look a little more like horror esque. There's like nothing beyond that. Like, there's no, the game doesn't try being scary. There's no jump scares. Right? I mean, maybe if you did a dungeon and like while you're in a dungeon, there was jump scares, that'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? That would kind of fit the whole horror genre. But I, the game doesn't do that. Listen, it's a horror MMORPG. Mm-hmm. All right. Self proclaimed. What's crazy, I'm still, Rapples is still, you know, Still out there, you know. At that, we talked last week about MMORPGs not being dead, and I think you know it's crazy that you still have so many games. That we we even I don't think we've talked about Rapples in this podcast like ever, but they've consistently no. been updating the game, and the game is I think a lot of private servers as well too. So the game is still doing well. Maybe a good article to do one day as well. Maybe uh, just a list of um, like a list of like the biggest private servers, because there are, there are wow private servers with, with like. 5,000 concurrent players online, Black Desert Online private servers with thousands of thousands of players online, same for Mu Online, and a lot of these other games. I like the so, name of the private server for Black Desert Online. It's like Red mm-hmm. Desert Online. Ooh, it's completely different, all right? <laughs> Did you hear about this uh, Dirty Bomb uh, shutdown? No, I didn't. I mean, what, did they already say they, were, they stopped development for it a while ago? Yes, but... As part of the shutdown, I guess, where they actually released all their internal design documents, which I thought was really cool. So if you want to see, like, what goes into, uh, uh, what's you know, all this stuff. And the soundtrack is free, too, now from their official mm-hmm. website. So that's pretty cool. That they're, I, I wish – I think every company should do this. If it's a game that's shutting down, they should release basically all the assets they have on it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, but did they make the source code free too, or no? I don't know what this – no, I don't think so. But even did they say they were, did they, Didn't they say they were going to kind of, like, uh, try to work with, like – the community to try getting it hosted somewhere or no? I think I think I don't know if it's still up or not. I think it's still up though, but eventually it's gonna shut down. I think. Yeah, but it's still pretty cool. They release all that stuff, you know. It, yeah. it just I'm, I kind of want to dig through that out of curiosity. It is worth digging through, and it, it, the detail is stunning. It's over 300 pages, and basically Ooh. maps out all the gameplay like uh, loops and what they're trying to accomplish, the stats for all like the guns and stuff, like the damage. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's insane. Uh, the work that goes into a uh, designing a game like this before you even start you know, with the graphics and everything is pretty intense. That's cool too because I think a lot of people like have dreams of making games, right? But like obviously that 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 is a pesky thing called programming that gets in the way. Right? A lot of people don't want to do that, right? But I really think if you're really interested in games or game design, you could design a game without having any programming skills. Just map out literally the, like the gist of the UI, all the mechanics, how they all attract each other, and like everything about the game from start to finish. You can, you can still map that out. You know whether right. it's an MMORPG, whether it's a card game whether it's you know, an FPS, like all that, you can do all that without any programming skills. And if your design document is like really compelling, like from there, you can maybe look for funding or you know, for help to go, you know, the next step from there, if it's an interesting idea. Like that's at least something you can do right away. Obviously you just start, before you start designing any kind of video games, design some card games or board games is a lot easier and simpler. You can actually make those on your own very easily. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely worth, uh, you know, flipping through if you are interested in any kind of game design. Mm-hmm. Uh, to see what it goes into it uh, before you get to the actual creation of the actual game phase. Mm-hmm. I think I All suspect right. a lot of people who are like, oh, I want to make an MMO. I want to make a game. When they see how much work goes into it, even just a shooter, a lobby shooter, uh, 90% of people are going to lose interest because they, they, they just, you know, they don't really have a full concept of what they want from a game. They just have this one cool feature and they think that's enough to make a game out of. Listen, Altai. I downloaded RPG Maker XE <laughs> this last week. I went through that phase again. I downloaded it. I had it open for a whole hour and a half. All right, I'll tell wow. you. I made three maps and I made it two interactable menus. All right, I made a game. All right, I'm ready for the Game of the Year award. On, interactable on, on fucking... menu. What does that mean? 
there was like okay, there was like three triggers, right? You could actually like go to these three zones, and there's NPC you get to talk to, and you gotta like choose the correct option out of this question, all right? If you choose the wrong option, you get game over. If you choose the right option, you win the game, and that was it. All right, listen, that's some quality. Let me let, let me go to Kickstarter. I, I gotta raise some I gotta raise some money. I right, gotta make it to a full budget game. All right, sounds good. And make, uh, don't forget to say it's powered by the blockchain. And, of course. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Gotta get that powered by the blockchain. You get you get to raise more money that way. All right, all right. Next story, which I thought was kind of interesting. This kind of relates to more, um, like, so you, you hear about the Maple Story Two project they're working on, Altai, where they want to, you know, reach out to players and get their feedback a bit more. I read the headline. Well, what do, I don't know the details though. All right, so Maple Story Two kind of is a problem. Uh, player base has been declining, as we mentioned uh, on the last podcast. With the Steam users definitely going down. And I think big, one of the biggest problems is the gameplay loop itself is kind of not fun. Is the biggest issue with the game. Like in the process of making a really cool like uh, concept with the player made designs, I, I think everyone likes the idea of the player made outfits, and they like the mini games and the music playing and all that other like non gameplay stuff, right? But the big, one of the biggest problems with Maple Story Two is you know the core gameplay ended up just not being fun. Like you you got the max, you grind the max, all you just, you just run these dungeons over and over again to get the random loot you need. Like whereas I would say Maple Story One had almost like the opposite problem where like the core gameplay was fun. The gameplay loop was fun. The grind was fun because you couldn't like, you can get the max out of Maple Story 2 in like a day or two, right? Which is kind of weird. Like whereas Maple Story 1, which today to get to level 250 and later this week, the max level will be 275. It's going to take like forever. It takes so much grind to get there. So it is weird. People got the max level and then got bored pretty quickly. So the game has problems, right? Not just that, obviously. There's some other, you know, enchanting issues, the way I am drop works. There's none of Maple Sinks in the game. So what they're doing is for the next three months, before they implement any big changes to the game, they're going to basically say, okay, here's what we're thinking. Here's how we're going to fix these problems. What do you think? And then going to, the community will have a chance to respond on the forums, I think. And then they're going, to, they're going to look at that feedback and they propose a new solution and try to incorporate all the feedback that players have said. Obviously not all of it. The shitty ideas will be gone. And then they're going to implement changes based on directly with player feedback. And obviously something's not working in MapleStory 2 for them to even like be this open about it, right? But this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the way RuneScape has done it for a long time. I mean, if you're not familiar with the RuneScape model, I think RuneScape is the most interesting like, method for updating your game. Because old-school RuneScape, before any big change makes it to the game, the game is polling stations built in. And players vote on changes. Generally, if changes aren't, are, are frowned upon, or it doesn't get like major, like 70% like support, it doesn't make it to the game. Some things have still made it to the game, despite maybe not getting support, but generally... They have direct feedback mechanisms in the game. There's literally polling stations in the game where it'll say, like, how do you feel about this update? Like, do you approve or disapprove? And if you don't get like 70% approval rates, like they don't put these updates into the game. So players have a, a direct impact on how the game ends up being developed. And the beauty of the system is like the people that don't care aren't going to vote, which is fine. And the people that really are invested in the game are the ones that are going to vote either way. So it ends up making it ends up giving seating control of your game to a degree to your players, which I think the most dedicated players of RuneScape of MapleStory 2, of any MMORPG, the most dedicated hardcore fans, I think they do have a lot of input on the game. You know, a lot of the people that work on these games, whether it's Final Fantasy XIV, MapleStory 2, whatever, RuneScape, whatever it is, a lot of the people that play these games don't necessarily play the games all day or even that much. Like, it's very clear by playing Final Fantasy XIV, a lot of developers and designers don't play the game that much. There are just some obvious things that get into the game that are just, just so bizarre that, that should never have made it. And it seems like common sense problems. So when you incorporate your player base, and utilize their skills, their knowledge of people of no life in this game. I think you will get a much better combination. Obviously, you can still go through quality control, and make sure it's not a retarded idea, and, and that's like for the professional side it comes in. I think we have to see more. I think more and more RPGs 
will kind of go through this model. I mean, RuneScape is still killing it too with this model, so it works. It does what work. Do you think about that? I well. I, first, I, I'm glad they're trying this, but I think it might be too little too late for MapleStory 2. I think they gave away the farm too early. I remember at launch, you could pretty much get to max level like in one day if you played like for the majority of that one day. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's you just can't do that because even me, I ended up, you know, having, the only progression left was to do the same dungeon like over and over again all day. And, uh, yeah. And the way you get, I don't know if they fixed this or not, side point, but you get a random piece of loot, whether whether you need yeah. that piece or not. So you have to mm -hmm. keep running the same dungeon. It wasn't for your class necessarily, yeah. You just keep running the same dungeon. Uh, so uh, there's nothing wrong with that if it's like a super end game thing. Like, you know, there's always going to be, the elite are always going to be okay with doing 10 hours of content for like a 1% upgrade, right? Yeah. But the problem was the casual player was put in that position because they got to max level one day. Yeah. It, it was so weird that, like, I, I don't get it though. Like, why. Get the yeah. It was so silly that you get the max level middle story too that quickly. Like yeah. it should be something you can work towards. And it should exactly. take a while. It, the hardcore it, players, even they, should be able to get there like in a day. It, no, it's just no, so no much silly. Get there in a day. It diminished the world because you didn't care about the zones because you were leveling past them too quickly. You didn't care about the gear you were getting because it was redundant. You know, it was, it was useless in like in five minutes. Um, mm -hmm. And if you look at the Steam again, this game is not just on Steam. It's also on their Nexon launcher. But if you look at the Steam numbers, their loss of players month to month for the past you know since release. We're talking like bless online numbers here. Forty percent, fifty-eight percent, forty-three percent monthly declines. I mean, that is that is a wallop right there. And the problem with MapleStory two again is not the player crafted stuff, the housing, the music. That stuff is awesome. The core gameplay loop seems to be the biggest problem. And the fact that you got to max level so quickly seems to be the problem. Like I, I don't know why they deviated so much away from the original MapleStory, where it, it took a little bit longer. Even MapleStory one today, game from one to do fifty, even with the burning events, it takes some time. Obviously, it's gotten a lot faster, but to get the last like. From level 200 to 50, it takes a lot of grind. And it, it kept people in the game longer. I mean, once you run out of stuff to do, is like when you stop playing a game. I mean, the reason I stopped playing Final Fantasy 14 is after I finished like everything in the patch, I, I've done my raids, the, the, there's little reason to log back in. And I think a lot of people have gotten there so quickly with MapleStory 2. You know, it, it's really unfortunate. It seems, like they, it seems so obvious that you can't let people reach, get everything in the game so quickly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm hopefully they pace it better going forward. But... It's gonna be a hard hill to climb to get all these people back who you know initially tried the game. So Alta, give me good solutions for this because obviously um, somebody made a good point saying like PvP is like dynamic and keep people interested for a long. It could do that, right? But I think he made a good point by saying that not everyone is into PvP. I think a lot, lot and more PvP players especially are playing for the PVE. So what can a game do to have to keep people in the game longer? Step one, you can't have people reaching max level in one day. That, that that's like obvious, right? But is there any like is there any PVE loops you can introduce to the, to the MRPG experience, a PVE loop where you're still playing the game that's kind of like different every time? The only way I can think of it is maybe like a Path of Exile system where you get RNG with like loot. Because the RNG loot system that Diablo popularized and it's big in Path of Exile, like people are always looking for like certain gear and, and that keeps people constantly playing the game. Whereas like traditional MRPGs don't have that. Beyond that, I don't know, randomized loot is a really good way to do it. Well, randomized loot and I would also randomize the dungeons. So when you queue for mm -hmm. a dungeon, uh, the layout of the dungeon... Um, the bosses you're gonna face, their 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 uh, weaknesses mm -hmm. and strengths, if there's you know if there's any elemental elements in the game, mm -hmm. is gonna be randomized to some degree. And Diablo 2 did this initially really well, where you know the Den of Evil was slightly less grindy. It's still grindy, don't get me wrong, but slightly yeah. less grindy if you didn't memorize every turn, right? Yeah. Whereas if you're doing the Maple Story Dungeon for the tenth time that day, it's mm -hmm. exact same dungeon, exact same rooms, exact same mobs you did for the past three hours, right? 
A mm-hmm. little bit of randomization there, I think, would go a long way too. That's a good point because you're literally doing the same thing every single time, and it never changes. And at least, at least you know, you got to discover the RNG of the Den of Evil, where there's randomized maps in Diablo 2. That makes sense. I would love to see this in games. So imagine, like, I'll say WoW because I'm familiar with the bosses, but think Final Fantasy 14 as well. Any any game really, where you could queue for something called like the DBZ. You know the DBZ under Underworld Arena, the tournament. Yeah. So when, when Goku dies, he has to, you know, he, in the filler arc, he has to fight the best fighters from every quadrant of the galaxy or whatever. Yeah. So imagine you queue for this thing with your guild, and you're fighting the ghost of all the previous uh, dungeons randomly, mm-hmm. but, but they're buffed, you know, they're like a buffed version. Like one after or, the or, other. Or just, or, or just sink you to the exact level that they were available back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, you don't have to change anything, yeah, that'd be easy, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it'd be a contest. However far you get up the ladder is the gear you get, the reward you get. But, but yeah, it, I'm surprised the games don't do that. It seems like a really good way to uh, encourage like players to work together, you know, with their guild, do cool shit like that. And they can play weekly leaderboards or something, how yeah. fast you kill it and stuff, and how far you get. A few Korean games have done something similar. So you remember Mu? Uh, what's it called? Mu Legend? Yeah. Had that? Had that? Like the tower? Yeah. The the, the, really, the, tw- the huge tower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you don't heal either. So you go with a group and you don't. You just see how far you can get. I would love for. That's really uh, cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would love to see. WoW could do it so easily. You could start with like boards, right? And then you mm-hmm. progress, and then eventually you fight like a a version of Ragnaros. And then with no healing, or maybe if you take 10 levels, you heal or something, you got to keep going and see how far you can get. Even like in between bosses, maybe maybe you can take a boss gauntlet. And in between bosses, there's, there's no rest time. You know, as soon as you kill a boss, you know, from his corpse, another one spawns. You got to keep going, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So stuff no like rest. that can keep players in the game a lot longer, too. And it you seems can like. You recycle old content this way. So you don't, it's, you don't... Yeah, it's, I, I really wish Final Fantasy XIV does this. World of Warcraft does it. Like every MMORPG would benefit a lot from. Like, instead of old content becoming like utterly useless and like. like completely neglected it'd be a good way to incorporate it with like the current player base and it's a completely optional thing too it's an enemy pve mechanic that you could do with your guild or your friends do you remember like those those uh filler episodes of dbz back in the day so like goku's mm-hmm. on the stupid ass undead bridge trying to get back to earth and, yeah. and he's he like trips and falls down and i'm like oh here we go again another filler and like freezes down there he's got to fight him again <laughs> yeah yeah of course <laughs> like it was annoying but i was at least i was thinking you know what as far as filler goes, at least it's a little creative. Like they could just went, mm-hmm. they could just waste time at the beach, like most animes do. You know, like hey guys, let's mm-hmm. go to the beach for three episodes. Mm-hmm. True. I mean, speaking of, uh, we we gotta mention uh, ESO. I mean, I don't think neither of us play ESO right now, but Elder Scrolls Online you know, announced a big expansion this last week. I mean, we knew it was coming anyway because uh, it was leaked like three weeks ago or something, but it was like finally confirmed today. They're launching elsewhere, and it's going to be introducing the Necromancer class to the game. It comes out like I think uh, June or July, but it's uh, it's a big update. I mean, ESO is one of the biggest, one of the most successful Western developed MMORPGs over the last like five years. Is there anything else? Although, is there any? What, what is the biggest Western developed MMORPG of the last like five six years? <laughs> uh, Guild Wars two, maybe. I think Elder Scrolls Online is way bigger. Yeah, probably. I, I think I think Elder Scrolls Online is underappreciated by fans of Elder Scrolls. Yes, know, that's I know true. A lot of people uh, who like, oh, I wish to be a single player game. It's not the same. I get it's not the same, but where the game is now compared to release, I think if you're a fan of the narrative storytelling, exploring, you know, a Western fantasy world, there's a there's so much value in ESO today that you you, you know hmm. if, if you're a fan of that kind of game, you got to play it just just for the single player stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Listen, you can't walk into a random house and steal all the random items on the table, right? They're all glued down, unlike the unlike you know, more wind and all the other Elder Scroll games. Yeah, it's a little less freeform, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's more directed. This quest you follow, it's like a quest chain, right? Yeah, and that's a good prime force. The problem with the ESO is that it's not an Elder Scrolls game. 
Yeah, it, it does. It's yeah. A lot of fans of Elder Scrolls don't like ESO because it's not Elder Scrolls. No, it's not. The, don't think of it more like a Bioware single player RPG. Yeah, and that's how I approach it. it it's got a lot mm-hmm. of good quest lines, single player, with you know exploring the world as but as a, as the quest tells you to. So it's not open mm-hmm. world, right? It's just linear quest, 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 quest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big update to the game. It's launching. Uh, let me take a look. Elder Scrolls only came out in 2014. It's about four, four and a half, five years old now. And I think it's the biggest West-developed MRPG in quite a while. I don't think we've had really anything in the West for MRPGs. You were I mean, talking I'll... at the beginning about uh, consoles a bit, and I think Elder Scrolls Online is a very successful console MMO. Mm-hmm. I know it's uh, buy-to-play with subscription, but there's also a cash shop in, in there. So I'm sure you know there's some microtransactions going on in there. Definitely. The... It's launching on June 4th, by the way. And if you pre-order now, you can start playing on May 20th, the, early, the pre-order you know, bit. But new class, dragons, new raids, new dungeons, a bunch of other goodies, I'm sure. I played the Morrowind expansion last year. I believe it was last year. Maybe, maybe two years ago now. I don't mm-hmm. remember. But I, uh, maybe I'll play the new one, too. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But are there any other Western... What is the last... Uh, if Besides Elder Scrolls Online, yep. what was the next Western developed MRPG? Well, Guild Wars L- 2, right? Does L- that count? There's, there's Albion South. Online. I don't know if that counts. That's true. Albion Online is a Western developed as well, but it's not exactly... It, it's actually probably bigger than a lot of the other, the other ones, too. It just seems like there's so few Western developed MRPGs now, and the Western companies aren't really making mobile games either, because a lot of those mobile games, you know, are from Asia. They're doing really well. So what are these Western developers doing, huh? Making console games? Yeah, pretty much. I guess so. Warframe is a good one. Warframe is... Uh, is actually one of the more successful ones too. And actually, Leglius, I watched a really good documentary this last week called uh, uh, it's a Warframe documentary that shows that chronicles how digital extremes, like their history and how they created Warframe, how it was called Dark Sector before. Strongly recommend it. I'll drop the link in chat if anyone's curious. I'm sure plenty of uh, Warframe fans have already seen it though. It's called The Story of Digital Extremes. The Story of Digital Extremes. It's by uh, Noclip. They, they, they're they the same channel that the, the Final Fantasy XIV documentary as well. So if you like gaming documentaries, this channel is worth following. I, I really like the Final Fantasy XIV one. I really like the Warframe one. And I've seen uh, a few of their other oddball ones too. Pretty hey, cool. There's actually a pretty big MMO-esque game coming out from a Western studio soon. Hmm. And that's Anthem uh, by Bioware and EA. Uh, Whoa, it's game... a shared world experience, all right? Kappa. Yes, that's whatever that's supposed to mean. Uh it's obviously competing with Destiny 2 from Bungie. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really been following the hype too much because it seems to me like it's aimed, it's geared towards console players mostly, right? But uh, if there, there's going to be closed beta, uh, or maybe like a week before launch or so. But the full launch is February 22nd, which is exactly one month from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. I mean, this is the last like giant game from Bioware in a while like, a big new franchise so we'll see how this one does I, are you I mean have you been is there, no, have you been, no. I, haven't really I, I have no hype. inkling of hype for this personally yeah. but I, I know people that are I, really? it looks okay. really pretty too I mean I don't know it looks I'm, really pretty I don't know pretty. anyone who's hyped for this that's the thing like no one in my circle really is hyped for this uh, if you do know I'm, I'm curious if you do you know if you guys are aware of this familiar uh, with this looking forward Chaos to this Shield describes exactly what I was thinking it, this looks kind of like Warframe but with better graphics but like, I don't think they're gonna be able to pull it off because Warframe had like had so much time to add content and refine the experience. And Warframe just like the beauty of Warframe. One of the best things about Warframe is how well it plays. It, it's fast, right? You can just literally like just slide and jump across the entire map 
super fast. And I, I just can't imagine Anthem running that smoothly. But we'll see. I I I, I feel like Anthem should feel much slower paced. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I don't know. And Warframe is free, obviously. I think it'll find some audience, like the way Destiny Two. And Destiny Two sold a lot of box copies, you know, like yeah. Maybe it didn't meet their you know Activision Blizzard's uh, goals, but it did sell like millions of copies. And I, mm-hmm. I I feel like Anthem will probably hit a similar place where it'll sell millions, but it won't make um a cult, a huge cultural impact the way like a lot of Bioware games but, have in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it'll, be, I think it'll commercially pay for itself, but it's not going to be. Some giant success. I mean, I'm rooting for it. Why not, right? Anything, to, anything to help the MO genre, even though it doesn't cost off an MO, you know. No, I'm not rooting I mean, for it. It doesn't. Co- if it's not going all the way, it's just. It's. It's. it's it can't even it. commit to the name. Not only can it not commit to the name, it can't commit to the idea. It's just. Co- it's just borrowing an idea from Destiny. You know, Bioware mm-hmm. was like it's supposed to be like a pioneering, you know, storytelling immersive. It's, it's this big. It's, it's legend. Yo, Bioware had the same oomph as Blizzard when when Omar, Omar and I Bioware's- were like in school. You know, so. I, I I don't want them to make it just like a copycat Destiny game. I want them to make a Bioware game, and I, mm-hmm. this doesn't look like a Bioware game for me. So we'll see. Indeed, that's old Bioware, but yeah. As how to define the genre, see what happens. I mean, they go with the term shared world. A lot of games are kind of using this weird term shared world, where you kind of have MO elements, but you don't want to call yourself an MO. I do feel like MO has become a dirty word. Nobody likes to use the word uh, a Destiny clone. There you go, I'll play. That's that's the genre as far as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else on the docket here, Altai? Well, we okay. Well, speaking of Western games, and we, we were talking earlier about those uh, lobby games, you know, with the missions. Mm-hmm. One of those came out by a Western studio last week. Breach. Really? Breach is an early. Mm-hmm. Ac- it's going to be free to play when it's out of early access, but I don't know when that is. Mm-hmm. But for now, uh, on Steam, I think it's like twenty. Or, let me check on this. I think it's twenty or thirty dollars. Twenty five bucks. Twenty five bucks. You can play a Western developed uh, Soul Worker slash Critica slash all mm-hmm. those kind of games, you know? Mm-hmm. By a Western. Instant Dungeon Persistent Hub style games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know this was going to be free to play at launch. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it will be free to play at launch uh, when it leaves early access, but who, I don't know when that is. Mm-hmm. And so, what do you think uh, about this one? Are you hyped about this? I don't know. Uh, I know nothing about this. Yeah, it kind of flew under the radar, but it is up now. It's It's been up for a few days now. Yeah, but. It, I don't know. I'm not a fan of paying money for this. I'm so used to all these games being free to play. This this concept of a game. This is the problem. Breach. With this. Yeah. Look, this game, it could be. I, I again, I haven't played it. It could be more fluid than like Closer, Soul Worker, Critica, DFO, uh, all those games, right? But the, all but here's the thing, all those games are free, right? Mm-hmm. So why does so I'm gonna wait until it's free? I don't I don't see why I should play it until it's free. It's it has 415 players on right now. It peaked at uh 635 and it just launched. So we'll see how those numbers uh you know hold up. And it's got six out of ten on on Steam so far, but I'm gonna wait till it's free to play and then play it then. Because it's cool to see a Western developed game trying to do the whole DFO thing, you know, but with the FPS and shooting elements too. Now speaking of of uh, well, last thing I want to cover. Speaking of the the six out of eleven on review of the, on Steam thing, did you hear about the Epic Game Store? They said they're gonna have um, one of the big concerns of the Epic Game Store is that you can actually uh, the, the the publishers themselves will be allowed to turn reviews off. How do you feel about that, Altai? Turn reviews off. So play, they, it's, the review system will be opt-in. <laughs> I think it's okay as long as they can't go back and forth. Like they can't release it with – they can't launch with the reviews on. When and they, turn they, it off. And then turn it off if things go negative. They got to either launch – they got to choose at launch whether they want reviews or not, and then they can never go back on that. 
That's interesting because I think they did that. I think most of them wouldn't care. But I think as is, you know, the assumption is they'll be able to pick if they want to turn it on or off, you know? That's, that's stupid because then they could, they could like, they could send free copies to shills, right? Mm -hmm. And then they want it. will say, oh, great game, great game, great game. Uh, and when all, all the shells I got it for free, it's like, you know, saying it's good. And then mm -hmm. when, when the shit starts flowing in, they just turn it off. That's bad. Yeah, but I feel like that's, that's just going to happen, you know? I think, I think the review system, and, and right on your, the thing about Steam too, is like right on your face, you go to the Steam page, my eye usually goes, the first thing I look at, like my eye will catch the video, right? And I'll quickly look at the, the score, mixed reviews, positive reviews, six out of 10, whatever it is, like the average reviews. I'll look at that first. And if it's like negative or like really low average, I'm not going to look at the video. I'll, I'll peace out. But if the Epic Store doesn't have that like in your face, I, I don't know. I, I still trust user reviews in general, even though we all know that shit gets manipulated all the time. Like Amazon reviews and shit are like not reliable. But for some reason, when I see like 10 out of 10, 10,000 plus reviews on Steam, that's my that's my benchmark for a good game. If a game has like 10,000 plus positive reviews and it averages 10 out of 10 on Steam, I think it's a good game. Out of the park, you know? I'll, I'll default assume it'll be good. And so far, that has not let me down. That's true. And, and most of the time, uh, the you know Steam reviews do get like uh, brigaded sometimes, but most of the time, yeah, they, I think they're pretty accurate. Uh, I don't think it's a big issue. And yeah, you do have to buy the game to be able to. It tells you you do yeah, you buy the game to at least review. So at least it's you know not as susceptible to bullshit as like Amazon reviews and stuff. I wonder if they can maybe make it a little more selective. But then how, how do you how is it fair? Who do you select? What which reviews do you accept and which one do you don't? You know. I mean, if you buy the game, I think everything should be free. You know, if you buy the game, you should have to leave a review, and they can you can't hide your review. But some people write like shell ones, like or joke one, or meme ones. You know, like the, the meme ones are the best ones. I, I guess like, I for, love the meme for, reviews. For the, the meme reviews are usually positive anyway. So I know, but for the community, it's funny, and you know, but but uh, for the studio, it could be like a uh, you know annoying to see that show up, you know, front and center. Tough noogies, all right. You gotta deal with it, all right. Make a good game, you'll be fine. I think, and, and the meme reviews will be, you know. If your game is, you know, if it can stand on its own two legs, the meme reviews will be, you know, over, you know, covered with plenty of positive ones or more legit ones. If all I've, you have is meme reviews, it's another problem going on with your game. I've seen Steam reviews where people bitch about not being able to run the game because they have like a piece of shit computer, right? Mm -hmm. And they look at the trailer and it, it, it's an obviously like demanding game, right? It's, it's not, it's not yeah. like Tibia. And then they complain yeah. that they can't run it. It's your fault if you have a piece of shit computer and everyone else is running it and you can't run it. I but, don't think, like, no, usually if it's a system, like, requirement related issue like usually the game just crashes or something that's when they say like they can't run the game if you if you have a toaster pc and you don't meet the minimum requirements i don't think i don't think there's many reviews complaining about that yeah, well, well we'll see it'll, it'll, i think i think um epic games is going to end up subsidizing developers though because mm -hmm. when they came up with their 88 12 split they said we monitored how much it cost us to run fortnite right the bandwidth mm -hmm. um dealing with chargebacks dealing with, you know, like security and hacks and stuff, right? So they, they, mm -hmm. and they said, okay, 1288 makes sense for us based on our experience of running Fortnite. But here's the problem. Fortnite is made by competent people, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's their own game. It's their own everything. But they don't understand is when they start dealing with other developers, the developers are going to bitch and moan. They're going to complain. They're going to want support. Players are going to want support. They're going to want, they're going to be stupid, right? And I think the cost involved, the customer support, all the tickets, all the refunds. Refunds and everything, yeah. Yeah. It's going to make them realize Trends. that maybe Steam wasn't so stupid uh, or greedy after all for asking for what they're asking, 30%. You know, 30% maybe, still seems high. I think it still seems high. Uh, maybe, maybe. But I think the 12% Epic is charging is a promotional rate to get people on board. And they're not really factoring in all the costs involved. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I think Steam having competition is a good thing, though, yeah, in general. Yeah, 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 sure. 
Actually, I think they, they, they released some interesting stats too, I think, for um for Fortnite. They, they, I think they said like over our player base, 50% of our player base doesn't even use Steam. So 50% of people that are playing Fortnite, which is like the biggest game in the world, they don't use Steam. And like, they don't even have Steam installed. Mm-hmm. So like there are such a big PC game market out there of Fortnite players that don't have Steam. So think- they even say like sometimes it's like when when indie developers give out Steam keys to users, they're confused. Like they don't know where to put their Steam key. A lot of like casual gamers because they don't have Steam. I don't think so. That I think I think is a case. I think Fortnite brought m- millions of new young mm-hmm. gamers to the PC. True. So they weren't competing with. They didn't have Steam installed because they they they, they didn't play PC games before before Fortnite. That's my guess. Also, Galaxy. I think everyone knows Epic Games is you know they're they're a one hit wonder right now with uh, Fortnite. I mean, the Unreal Engine has been a big success for them too, but nothing the same way. Not not the same way Fortnite has been a big success. I mean, for, Epic Games have trying to make have made games for a long time. They've had a lot of good early successes with like Unreal Tournament and stuff. But like over the, before Fortnite, they were kind of like nothing. You know, Fortnite kind of put them back on the radar. But now that they have you know Fortnite, they they are kind of a big deal. And obviously, a lot of that I'm sure is, is luck as well. You know, the right timing to launch Fortnite worked out really well for them. After PUBG got the genre kind of popular. All right. Well, I think that's it for me this week, Kimari. Uh, All right. Move on to the post game. Let's move on to the post game. All right. Sounds good. So keep on watching on Twitch, and we'll see you next week uh, for YouTube. All right. Take care, YouTube.